Hey there, it's the Jim Meskimen prod- Prodcast. It's a prodcast. In other words, what I'm going to do is I'm going to prod you to think. And, and, and that's why it's such a special show. I'm going to prod you as I'm prodding myself right now with my own elbow. If you think that's easy, then uh, you probably go to yoga. Anyway, it is, uh, I believe, the 16th of November in the unlikely year of 2014. Uh, the year always just seems unlikely to me. Having been born in 1959, which is a heck of a long time ago. I mean, that's so many so many uh, operating systems ago. It was pre-operating system t- days. I, mean, I guess there must have been an operating system because there had to be computers back then. Anyway... I hope you had a great week. I had a a very interesting week, and I have a nice, interesting week coming up with lots of opportunities. So far, I've been uh, uh, lucky to work in in the industry that I do. I'm an actor, as you know. I do voices and impressions, and uh, gosh, I'm just, I feel lucky to work. Luckier all the time. Luckier also, you know, talking about impressions and stuff, it seems like it's, we're getting into a kind of a impressions either a renaissance or the beginning of a glut, whichever way you want to look at it. I noticed that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is also a very good impressionist. He had a YouTube video that I'm sure went viral. I mean, I watched it, and I was at the tail end of a lot of other people, of him doing 11 impressions, uh, 10 of which were quite good, and one of which was just a gag. Uh, But uh, he did a really, really good Alan Rickman. If you want to learn how to do Alan Rickman, I say listen to Benedict Cumberbatch. And uh, so anyway, it's it's I feel lucky to be able to make any kind of living at all doing impressions. As I have said numerous times, I I, I always expect that that job is going to be replaced very shortly by technology. But in the meantime, let's keep selling our buggy whips. That's what I'm doing. I'm selling my buggy whip and uh, I'm going to be doing uh, a lot of different voices next week for various projects. So I'm excited. I'm grateful. And uh, it seems like the less attention I put on it and the more attention I put on reaching out and um, creating and helping people, the better I do. Is there a lesson to be learned there? Not by me, but perhaps by another. You know, these podcasts and things like this, whenever I write and whenever I, I do a podcast, I, I have a sort of an unnamed, uh, amorphous sort of generalized view of the, the people listening. I know there are specific people that listen, but it, to me it's all a little bit of a wash of people, and I... I try to inspire and give advice, and I realize it's so much easier to give advice than it is to take it. In fact, it's just so easy. I could do it all day long, tell people what to do, tell them what they should do with their life. I mean, eventually the attention turns around and you have to ask yourself, well, what are you doing, you know, Mr. Blah, blah, blah. And um, I think lately I'm doing okay, doing okay, helping people and uh, trying in my spare minutes to not be a pain in the ass make myself into a better person. Speaking of better people, I uh, was very excited uh, to see that my, uh, gee, what should I call her? I, she's a friend, but not a close friend, but I really love her a lot. Amy Poehler uh, has written a book. She's got an autobiography out called Yes, Please, and I quickly ordered it from Amazon. I have it in my hot little hand right now, and I started reading it, and I just love it. First of all, I was impressed by it weighs about, it seems to weigh about four pounds. It's a it's a big, three hundred plus page book, tightly, tightly typed. This is a person that likes to write, or at least knows how to discipline herself to write. Plus, it's just very, very funny and charming. And the part that I've read so far, uh, I've probably read more than most talk show hosts read. You know, when they say, "Hey, I read your book. It's really great. I loved your autobiography." Uh, you know, I've read like uh, I don't know, twenty eight pages or something. But with great pleasure, 
And uh, I was just so pleased. First of all, the thing that got me was the wonderful uh, photo, photo in the back cover of her, the author, the author photo, where she's wearing a little captain's hat with a pipe in her mouth. And it's just, it's a scream. And uh, she said some wonderful things already. And one I wanted to read to you, which I thought was very funny, talking about her school days and stuff. And uh, here on page 13 here, she said a bit of advice. She's talking about college days and high school days and planning out what you're going to do. She said, instead of asking students to, quote, declare their major, we should ask students to, quote, list what they'll do anything to avoid. It just makes a lot more sense. I think that's very sensible. What would you, what would you go out of your way to avoid you know, dentistry, or, you know, working with numbers, being a cartographer, being the guy that sweeps up after the elephants. These are very important things for young people to know. You know, if you're an actor, what won't you do if you're an artist? Anyway, very excited to read that. My experiences with Amy have always been short and very sweet. I started working on Parks and Recreation uh, right in the beginning of the first season, I got hired to play this character, Martin Housley, who was an MC, and it was a very funny award show uh, episode, and I, I got to have a couple of jokes in it, and they let me improvise quite a bit, none of which I think made it to the show, but it was a very empowering and, and decent and, and good-mannered thing to do. Amy, of course, herself is an improviser, a very terrific improviser, and uh, so she not only has a, a tolerance of it, but she encourages it uh, in her productions, apparently, because every, almost every time I've gone, they've allowed me to improvise, except the last time. They were not so into my improvising, but, the, you know, different director. And every time I've worked with her, she's been very kind. She's let me take her picture. She even held up my comedy CD one time, you know, in the picture, which was, ah, what's that? That's, that's really, really generous. So I met her and Nick Offerman and a couple others of the cast early on. And then I've come back every year and done a little something. Um, and I never really thought too much about the show. I knew it was sweet because I'd read the script that we were in. And, you know, I'd seen a few episodes, but I don't watch a lot of TV. And this last week or two, part of my time has been taken up with regret over not uh, having realized what a great show I was on every now and then. Because if I'd really thought about it for half a second, I would have realized, hey, I need to be on this show a lot more often. This is a great show, and it is, uh, it's a kind of show that I laugh at. So I, I need to be on it more. As it happens, they're, they're pretty much done, and uh, they'll move on, and so will I. But I hope to work with Amy Poehler again. Amy, if you're listening to this by any chance, I would love to work with you again. You're terrific. I always came away feeling really, really good. And uh, as I said, I got to improvise quite a bit, and sometimes, sometimes the stuff would make it on the air, which is, which is nice. I mean, I did sort of create the fact that my character was a sort of a bad or a sort of an amateur impressionist. And that, that has, has survived and lived uh, in every episode I did subsequent to that first one. So that was pretty cool. Anyway, her book is wonderful. Yes, Please is what it's called. Pick it up from Amazon or, or anywhere you can find it. Uh, it's definitely definitely going to get your money's worth. Uh, just pound for pound, I think, of all the... I mean, you know, a lot of uh, celebrities and uh, public figures write their book. And they, I don't know, they get some help with it. They don't. Who cares? But... I, I don't know about you, but my expectations are extremely low when I pick up somebody's autobiography, particularly if they're under 70 years of age. And, and this book I picked up and I was like, wow, this is some, some real thoughts going into this. This is not like a double-spaced 150-page book about my life so far as viewed from you know the view of me looking in the mirror at myself. This looks like a really good book. In fact, 
Just I'm just going to read some of this now, and you can you can you guys can listen to this. And welcome back to Honky Tonkin. Here in the Cracker Barrel Studios, we have a great guest with us here today, Wallace Feeney. Wallace, thank you for coming here. Wallace, as everybody knows, is the corn maze champion of the southeastern United States. Wallace, thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure. Wallace, I know you just took home the Southeast Regional Championship trophy uh, at the corn maze competition uh, there in Durham. And uh, just such a pleasure to have you here. I can't believe you took time out of your daily routine to talk to us about some of your corn maze championships. Well, also, there's a busy season, so I know that corn maze championship up in Durham was quite a victory. A lot of great competitors up there. Yeah, the season is is vital. I know, you know, because the corn is high and, uh, well, we don't need to talk about agriculture here right now. Let's just talk to you about a little bit about the strategy and how you approach a corn maze. Well, I've been building corn maze until my father, my father and my grandfather of him told us how to make a corn maze. And back uh, back then, of course, it was it had security measures involved, and it wasn't just something for fun; it was something to keep people from from getting into your house. Well, you know, I knew that, but I bet a lot of our listeners didn't know that. Is oh a f- no, it dates back to the ancient Welsh kings and the, back there up in Wales, out there in the United Kingdom. You can still find uh, illuminated manuscripts that feature uh, corn, somebody uh, cutting through a corn maze, and it's all there to defend the, the household or whoever it is that's running that territory. I see, I see. Well, now, yeah, you ha- you come from a long line of corn mazers. I know you do. And if you could enlighten us just a little bit about what's the preparation you go through before entering a corn maze? Well, these days you got all kind of high-tech things that you can use. You can use geo maps if you want to. You can have somebody do a, a drone flyby and shoot pictures, and it, in a relatively short amount of time, you can map something out. There are right. even apps that you can get. But I don't. I don't do any of that. I know. I know and that, I, Wallace. No, I go out on the old-fashioned way. I go out my bare feet, and I use uh, ordinary twine and uh, stakes, yeah. uh, which I pound in the ground with my hand. I don't even use a hammer or mallet. I just yeah, that's what makes that. you great. That's what makes you, as the uh, the you, the kids say, old school. Old school, corn maze king. That's what they call me, that's what they called me in Durham, too, this last weekend. They gave me that special That's trophy. great. That's yeah. great. Hey, uh, let me ask you, how are you doing with uh, sponsorships? Not so good. We uh, lost uh, Jolly Green Giant last year, so that was uh, that was bad. Because, you know, they're, uh, they're whole, they took a big hit in the whole cream corn division. Vision. I think mm. it's that GMO fiasco, but uh, right. anyway, so we lost our big spot. We're hoping uh, to get the uh, uh, Sally Ann corn dog account this year. I hope you do. I hope you do. You know, I love the color corn dog. It is, Sally and Ann. I love the color scheme of their logo. Yeah, and yeah. that's going to look good on you, Wallace. I, well, yeah, and we always wear a lot of uh, when we do get endorsement. I put it on my overalls and I put yep. it on my truck, and uh, we try to make it much of an impact as we can. Now I know a lot of listeners there out now have a great question they want to ask you, and I'll ask it for them. Okay. How do you feel about the new ruling of the corn maze going from a one-eighth mile to a one-quarter mile? I think it's a it's a it's a good opportunity. I think it's a way to expand the field, make all it a little right. more challenging. A one eight we've all experienced a one eighth mile now for quite a while. I think we all kind of know what mm-hmm. the ins and outs of it are, mm-hmm. quite literally. And so I I for, I for one welcome the opportunity to fill a quarter mile 
uh, with my maze. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you've been the record holder for, in the, for the one-eighth for so, so long. Mm-hmm. I'm going to relish myself the quarter mile that's coming up. Hey, tell me now about your chief competition. He's uh, knocking at your door, Wallace. Well, you're talking about Scott Nerdlinger, and he is, of course, uh, one of the greats. He, too, comes from a great family of uh, corn majors, and uh, I always wish him the best. There's not too many of us left mm-hmm. anymore, and so i got a lot of respect, a lot of props go out. I mean, he, he's definitely uh, a comer. He tends to—, to uh, well, I don't want to talk out of school, and if you're listening, that's good. It's not personal, but he does that cutback a little too often, yeah. and he doesn't do as many of the uh, uh, sectional uh, spheroid uh, traps uh-huh. uh, that I like to do. Uh, and, well, that's uh, your, you know, you have so many sort of my trademark. Moves. That's yeah. my trademark. It really yeah. is great. Yeah. Well, you've always been such a great and uh, a humble competitor. And I know many well, times when you've done a maze with him, you two guys uh, cross paths. And I know that uh, you guys have always been, had a respectful, uh, healthy relationship yeah, with one another. Yeah, we hold each other at arm's length, but we uh, shake hands over the hedge. That's what we call it. Shake hands <laughs> over the hedge. That's good. Yeah. Well, I know your time is valuable. I yep. know you got to get back to training. And uh, Wallace, thanks so much for stopping by here at Honky Tonkin. Wallace Feeney, everyone, uh, Corn Maze Champ. Remember the end of the world a few years ago? Do you remember that? Not that it happened. And I know the Mayans predicted it, right? Well, they didn't really, but they, somebody thought that the Mayans predicted the end of the world. Anyway, remember the end of the world guy, the, the minister guy who, uh, it was in L.A. anyway, there was a guy who was on the radio and on billboards saying the world will end, and is so audacious, because if you say the world is coming to an end, you're kind of neither right nor wrong. Nobody can really take too much issue with it. You know, the vectors are all kind of pointing in that direction. But on the other hand, we wake up in the morning, the sun is still shining. But this guy was said October 20th at 9 a.m. or what? You know, he was very specific about when it was going to end. And then I think, you know, you're pretty ballsy to do that. But this guy was a, you know, some sort of pseudo-religious scholar. And if you remember his name, please... I couldn't find it on Google. I put in end of the world, minister, radio, nothing happened. I can't remember his name, but I remember his voice. He sounded just like the kind of person you would expect who would spend a great deal of time thinking about and predicting and getting others to get all bent up about the end of the world. The end of the world will happen because it says in the scriptures on page seventy-five. Yeah, but, you know, you. I hate to interrupt, but you said uh, this is now two thousand fourteen. That's right. We've reached the end of the period defined by the year two thousand fourteen. Yes, exactly. So we've moved beyond the time that you said that was like in two thousand ten or two thousand eleven. You were, you were pretty uh, mm-hmm. vocal. You were extremely vocal. You had billboards up all over the place. Paid for, by the way, uh, by my parishioners and other followers who had looked at the same uh, scholarly evidence that I had and came to the same conclusion that the world would be coming. The world to would be coming an to an end. I know, I know, I know. But we all know because we're. You would you, you admit that we are alive right now in this moment here in 2014. Well, you admit that I am alive. Yes, I would. I would concede that you are alive, but um, from where I'm standing, uh, actually, I'm laying down at the moment, and I have a lily coming out of my fist. Oh, that's what that is. Anyway, do you remember that guy? What a what a pathetic thing that was. 
And he was like the epitome for me of, of gloom and doom. I mean, that is standing by your guns, gloom and doom. That is a professional gloom and doomer, the likes of which I've never seen before. Although, you know, to be fair, a lot of people in the media and uh, a lot of these things I get sent to me, do you get these kind of emails where they talk about the end of this and the end of the dollar and the end of the market and the end of the blah, 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 no more water, no more air? All right, you know, we've got a lot of problems. There's a lot of games going on in this planet, but do we need to just scare the bejesus out of each other all day long? Is that the game? Is that really going to help? I don't know. I, I think not. I get really sick of it, and uh, I'm sure you do too. Uh, I like it when someone says, you know, there's there's some actually a little bit of hope going on, and uh, you can spread it around. Anyway, I'm sure that that's the way you operate. You like to spread a little good news when you've got it. There's a philosophy about that. that you need to give the bad news fast, and the good news can wait. I don't know. I think the good news, get that out as soon as possible, and the bad news can you know sit on the shelf. Often you find out that that bad news, nobody needed to know it. It seemed so alarming and so crucial and uh, up to the minute, but maybe not so much. Looks like I'm going to be doing um, some more Robin Williams stuff for uh, Disney. They've been very, very generous and uh, having me back. So, um, you know, honored by that. That's that's pretty cool. And again, I have to thank Robin Williams for creating that great genie character. Keeps me, uh, gives me something to do to keep perpetuating that idea, which makes so many people feel good. Uh, I've been working on a show, let's see, I work on a show called Wabbit, which is another Warner Brothers kind of reboot of some of the Warner Brothers characters. I've done that a couple times. That's a pretty fun show. Legend of Korra is running. Uh, got some new ads for Sony that are running. And it's a lot of stuff going on. Audiobooks. My daughter... Taylor Meskimen uh, has just completed her, I don't know, fifth or sixth audio book here in the house. We now have to fight over the booth. Uh, I'm in the booth now. I've got it. I've laid my claws down. But she was in here all week finishing up a, a book that she's doing it. She's directing it herself. She's narrating it. I'm very proud. It tickles me. I come in and I peek in and I see her working, emoting and, and acting in front of a microphone. Nobody around, no audience, just uh, creating the characters and reading the stuff. So that's good. It's actually a, a really great show of confidence, I think, in a performer to be able to sit in a booth and, and create a piece of art like an audio book and, uh, and making a little money at it, too. So that's cool. Proud of her. Proud of my daughter. She's super sensational. Just an amazing person. Just all, have always loved her since the day one. Minute one. Just loved her to pieces. Anyway, hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Can't leave you with any advice. Don't have any advice for you. Just follow your heart. That's what my good friend Ben Shelton always says, and it's good advice. It's not only good advice, it's a good way to get people to stop asking questions. Someone comes up and says, would you think I should wear this sweater or this sweater? Follow your heart. It's a great piece of uh, directorial advice. So uh, I will talk to you again next week. Pick up Amy Poehler's book, Yes, Please. And uh, I know, I know for sure I'm going to have some some news about the impression guys uh, one of these days. Thanks to Tate Rupert for throwing that uh, interview idea at me, the corn maze expert. Thanks to Jeff Levin, as always, for the great theme music uh, that I dig so much. And I hope you guys have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>